You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. All right, everyone, welcome back to Green Industry Perspectives. I'm your host, Ty Deemer. I'm on the marketing team at Single Ops, and we've got a really great episode for you today. Following the Lawn and Landscape Tech Conference that we were all at um, in the last couple of weeks, we're going to have a very tech-focused podcast today, not just about software, but about how technology can impact uh, landscape or tree care business as a whole. We have Michael Mayberry on the show. Michael's the CTO of Level Green Landscaping. He's really involved in the industry, and we're excited about the episode we have with him today. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, Ty. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Michael, we like to start off every episode of Green Industries Perspectives in kind of a similar way. And it's asking our guests, what are the top two to three things that you feel like have helped Level Green Landscaping or yourself grow or improve over the last last couple of years? So uh, I think one of the things that has helped us grow is absolutely our use of technology. When I started with the company almost six years ago, we were doing a lot of processes either on paper or using a whiteboard. Thankfully, our ownership was very forward thinking and saw that we needed to make a change. And they were very accepting of the changes that we made, a lot of them using technology and and pushing outside of the comfort zone of where they had been before. So I think that's one of the biggest things that have helped us be successful over the past couple of years is really ownership backing. I think the other thing that has helped is the passion that I have for technology. I think it's very important that as you're trying to institute technology into your company, that you find somebody that can really champion that for you. And I'm very blessed to be able to meld my two passions, which is the green industry and technology, and be able to create using those two talents. Yeah, that's great. And we're going to dive into those in more detail later on, because I think those can open up some really good conversations. But the other way we like to start off the show is for the audience to get an idea of who we're talking to. So Michael, talk to us about, you mentioned you have a passion for tech, a passion for the green industry. Talk to us about your career path and how that passion arose and how you got to where you are today at Level Green. Sure. So I started my green industry career when I was 15. I started weed eating on golf courses and I kind of came up through the golf industry. By 17, I was an assistant superintendent at a local public course here. I continued to work there throughout college. I originally went to college to be a computer scientist, but this was at a time that was before Wi-Fi. So I did not want to spend my life in a cubicle, not being able to see the outside. And so I did decide to leave that and go to business management. But had I had the foresight that Wi-Fi was actually coming, I'd probably be sitting on a boat somewhere programming. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I've always had that passion. And and I started, you know, programming and and fiddling around with computers back in the day of GeoCities. I'm not sure if anyone even remembers that. But when you could 
you know, create your own web pages and stuff. So I've, I've always had that passion. I worked in the golf course industry until about 2008 when the, the market crashed and I kind of realized, you know what, people don't always have to play golf, but they are going to always have to mow their, their lawn. Mm-hmm. So I made a switch and um, actually went to work for Brickman and worked for Brickman for about five years, came on as a crew supervisor and worked my way up to an OM in Brickman. And then I interviewed with Level Green as an operations manager. And when I interviewed, I brought all of the stuff that I was working on at Brickman and showed it to to the ownership. And they were really taken back by it, I guess. So I accepted the position as an operations manager and worked as an OM for about a year and a half. But I was doing the development and tech stuff on the side or at night, uh, whenever I had free time. And apparently, uh, the stuff that I created moved the needle enough for the business that ownership decided to actually create this CTO role that I'm in now. And I say that's very forward thinking because even right now, there are not a whole lot of CTOs in the green industry, in the landscaping industry. They're becoming more and more, which is a great thing. But, you know, four and a half years ago, there really weren't that many. So for mm-hmm. them to actually take the leap of faith and create a position that was unheard of in the industry was, was very forward thinking. And I think that that has helped us to accelerate our growth because of the technology we've been able to institute since then. Yeah. And I love that the framework that sets for the rest of our conversation, because we're going to be able to touch on that ownership backing, but also the role itself and how it is a, a very unique role in the industry. The one thing before we dive into those conversations that I think would be helpful for you to share what you mentioned level green's growth over the last five years that you've been there what type of company is level green what services do you offer and if you're okay with sharing it what's y'all's employee count revenue things of that nature yeah absolutely so at level green we're based in the dc area we service dc maryland and northern virginia markets we do 100% commercial maintenance with ancillary enhancements and snow removal tied into it. We, this year, are going to be a $30 million company. And since I have joined team and, and even prior to me joining the team, as a company, we have seen our growth double in size every five years. We just completed our 10-year strategic plan at the beginning of this year. And we are on track to be a $110 million company within 10 years. So we fully anticipate being able to continue this this growth through commercial maintenance and snow removal. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. So let's talk about the role, CTO. I think we can kind of break up our conversation or the first part of it into two buckets. Number one, like what is a CTO for a landscaping business? And then, you know, why later on? But let's talk about your day-to-day role at Level Green and maybe even to how it's evolved over time. Because I'm sure like when you started, it was kind of more, you have to crawl before you can walk, that type of scenario. But in kind of a synopsis, what does your day-to-day look like at Level Green? 
Sure. So the role has definitely evolved over time. My day-to-day right now is anything that technology touches, that kind of that falls on me. So whether mm-hmm. it's our production software, whether it's phones, whether it's printers, whether it's aggregating data, whether it's developing applications, because I can actually program and, and develop for us. All of those things are intertwined to my day-to-day, as well as really what a CTO is defined as is they should be forward-thinking and think about how technology is going to impact and benefit the business five to 10 years from now. I think part of the evolution of the role as time continues to go on is to be less and less involved in day-to-day operations and more involved in making connections with vendors uh, and, and really looking two to 10 years out. Anything that's already in play today is, is already in motion. And so that is less of my focus because I've got a great team behind me that takes care of day-to-day stuff. I'm the only person in the tech department, but as a company, we are really good at running with things once we get them implemented. Mm-hmm. Got it. So that's kind of going to be one of my other questions. At you as a CTO, how do you... like? I guess you have a lot to cover in your day to day, anything involving tech. Is there any level of like delegation of role, like of your role that you have had to embrace with trying to keep that forward thinking mindset? And tactically, what does it look like to implement technology throughout the business? Sure. So um, in the beginning, because the role wasn't really defined, it Mm -hmm. was it was kind of nice because I could do a ton of development. And for the first two years, really. That's what I focused on was developing apps and figuring out ways to get rid of paper that was in our systems. And so we talk about, you know, the CTO role or, or who is good for it. Honestly, somebody who has a great understanding of systems and processes is the ideal candidate for a role like this. And a lot of times we get hung up on, is it CTO? Is it CIO? Is it director of technology. Honestly, the title doesn't really matter. What matters is somebody who has an understanding of systems and processes and also has a passion for technology gets put into this role so that they can try to find ways to amend current processes and add automation to them so that you remove any friction that are that are in these systems. And so that's That's really what it was in the beginning. Now, over time, because I'm also the only tech person in the company, that's how I got involved in doing, oh, well, my printer won't connect to my laptop or my cell phone calendar is not connecting to Outlook anymore. And quite honestly, those are the things now that I need to delegate. And that delegation can come in a few different ways. Because not everyone can afford to pay somebody in-house to be help desk. And there's no need for that. And even we are going to look at outsourcing that help desk so that I can really focus on development and the future. And that's that's kind of where this, this role is leading. Got it. And then you talk about, you know, what the day-to-day looks like. It's finding, it's touching every piece of technology. It's finding places where automation can be brought in. Um, 
but I think like to maybe just the average Joe that doesn't really maybe isn't as technologically inclined, they might not truly understand how that helps a business at a large scale. So in your mind, how does your role across the industry in different places in the business that they are, how does a CTO help a landscaping business? Well, I think I'm going to touch on a couple of things there. So the, the first one is you were saying, you know, what if there's not somebody within the company that truly understands how technology should fit in? And that's a great question. And my answer to that is reach out to people in the industry. Reach out to me. I love having conversations like this. I I will find time to talk to anyone that wants to figure out what technology belongs in their stack or what they can do to remove friction by adding automation. And there are a ton of people in the industry that are willing to have those conversations. That's one of the things that I love about this industry is we're all willing to help one another. So if you don't have that understanding within your company, find a peer group. You know, Peer groups are excellent for having those conversations or just reach out on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I am very happy to talk to anyone about anything that is related to technology. So I think that that's that's really important. And as it kind of relates to plugging in and and how can this role actually propel a business forward, Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between chasing after shiny new objects and truly understanding what value those objects are going to add to your business. And that's the role of a CTO is they should be, or again, any whatever you want to call that role. But this person who is passionate about technology in your company should be researching these and finding ways to prove ROI by making a switch. And that's not Mm -hmm. always easy. And, And I've come across this challenge quite a few times where the hard ROI, dollars and cents, what's on the books, Um, That's pretty easy to determine. But a lot of times the true value of any piece of software, production software or accounting software or otherwise is truly in soft ROI. It's much Mm -hmm. harder to measure. It's, It's in hours saved or it's in people saved. And how can you measure how many people you've saved if you've never added them to your company to truly understand what that cost is? So I think that's really what the role should be doing is wading through all of these options and determining what's going to move the needle, what's going to remove friction, what's going to add automation. Yeah, I I like that point that you just brought up too, because it almost is the, it can be the catalyst to be able to see what could happen in a lot of ways, because you're going to be so capped if you're not able to kind of remove the friction of your current processes. My other question I have here is when you talk about like the role, it just seems like it's very widespread. Like you've got so many different moving parts. And the reality is at a at a green industry business, it's probably gonna that's probably gonna be the reality for anyone in the seat. What are in your mind some key traits of someone that can be a CTO in this business? Because I think and feel free to disagree with me. It doesn't seem like you could just take like a great IT person out of a software company and stick them in this role. They'd probably be like hammering their head against a wall after it. Like in your mind, when you're talking to companies about investing in this role, like 
who do you, who do you bring in? You know, that's a great question. I think the answer really depends on the size of your company. I think mm-hmm. you take a huge, huge hundred million dollar plus company and you could take any IT person from outside the industry and drop them into that role because at that point they're managing this very large ship and yeah. very large ships are the same regardless of what they're transporting, right? They, they still run the same. And that's kind of once you reach a, a certain revenue, you're kind of in that class of big companies. And it doesn't yeah. matter what you do to make that revenue. It matters how you run your company to keep mm-hmm. that revenue coming in. So for smaller companies, especially ones that are just starting out, you know, in the, in the maybe the one to five million dollar range or, or less than that, you can't afford to stick somebody in this role and have them only focus on this. It's just not going to happen because you can't create that overhead expense in order to cover that. So I think it's important to find someone who's passionate about this. And I think it's very important that that person is system and processes related. So I think it's potentially somebody that's coming from an operations manager role or a crew supervisor role or someone that has done that role, but then transitioned over to account manager. I I think that the ideal person for this position understands how the business works from top to bottom. And a lot of that is just from experience. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I said, I started with Brickman driving a truck. And so i truly did learn the landscaping industry from the ground up. And I think that that helps me every day because I know what it's like to be in the field. I know what it's like to try and input data onto a phone in the field or you know, back in the old days to scribble on a piece of paper and try and bring that back with you. So somebody with operational background is, is really important. A few other traits, you, know, you absolutely have to be a self-starter and self-motivated because you're being put into this role because no one else knows what to do or how to do it. And so there's a lot of pressure on you to kind of lead the way. And so you have to be able to think outside of the box and be motivated to back up your decisions as well. And and you've got to be willing to stand your ground and back up your decisions with data. One of the most important things for this role, whatever you call it, this person should have a seat at the leadership table because Mm -hmm. technology is not just another tool in our toolbox anymore. You know, three, four, five years ago, it was another tool for us. And it still is a tool, but it is now the brains of our operations. And technology really runs everything that we do within the company. And so the direction of technology needs to be very closely aligned with the direction of the the company. And so this person needs to have a seat at that table so they can understand where the company is going, why it's going that direction, and what they can do to utilize technology to help it get there. I think the other important trait is you got to be confident because the idea behind all this technology is to make data-driven decisions, right? Mm -hmm. But that is not as easy as it sounds. You think that you could show ownership, hey, here are the numbers, here is the history, here's the direction, and here's what the data is telling us to do. But yet, 
a lot of times we still revert back to making a gut decision and saying, you know what, I, I see the data trend going this direction, but I feel in my gut that it, it's going to reverse. And you, <laughs> we, we've got to get past that as an industry. We, we've got to really make sure that we trust the numbers and make decisions from those numbers. And so that's going to be a constant battle. So somebody in this position can't just lay over and say, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, there has got to be some pushback, certainly with the understanding that there are times that you're just not going to win and and that's okay. Yeah, for you, it, and it sounds like you're in a really good spot where obviously they're willing to invest in this type of role and, and you're at the place in the company that you're at. Is that a regular struggle for you in finding like how to find your voice in the room and being so you're pretty much the antithesis to the most to most thought processes in the industry? What does that look like for you personally? Honestly, I have not had that much issue with it. I'm pretty blessed to have a team that understands that technology is the way forward. And I have been working with the team now long enough to understand what they're going to want to institute. So I try to only bring things to the table that I know are desired by the company. Mm -hmm. And like I said, with my background in operations and understanding the business from the ground up, I also try to only bring things that I am very confident that I can present as moving the needle for us. So I don't run into a whole lot of issues. There are certainly things that I've suggested that have been kicked off to the side that a year later, someone comes back and is like, why didn't we do this? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I did suggest that, but we can certainly do it now. But honestly, there's there's not a whole lot of that. There's not a whole lot of pushback. You know, my ownership and leadership team both see the light that technology is going to disrupt how we do certain things within the industry and that they do not want to be left behind. My team as a whole wants to be on the cutting edge. And I think that's very helpful. I want to tap into that on the back end of the show because I think it's going to open up a really cool conversation. But before that, one thing that as you've been talking about your role and how forward thinking level green is with tech, I've got to imagine that's probably helped in some ways with recruiting and retaining employees. Because one of the things we've been hearing a lot lately is everyone knows that's an issue. It's going to be an issue forever, most likely. But we've heard people say like, I've actually been able to hire or attract new employees because they see the technology we're using and it excites them. And that's what they want to do. Is Do you feel like your role and what you've all been able to do at Level Green has helped y'all like bring in talent and also retain it as well? I think it's a double-edged sword. I think it okay. absolutely has done that. But I think some of the things that we're working on right now, such as robotics, or using artificial intelligence to automate some steps in our processes and make decisions for us. I think that's also causing some hesitation with some of our crew members and some of our employees in general, because they start thinking, well, this is replacing me. And what am mm -hmm. I going to do once this is, is instituted? And a great example of that is robotic mowers, right? So we're, we're taking something that is very reliant on human labor at this point, and we're going to automate it using robots. And so some employees are very concerned of, hey, what am I going to do? What, where does that leave me? 
Mm-hmm. And so I think it, and this is something that we've started already within our company is it's very important to have conversations around that. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to go, you know, around it. You need to hit it head on because the idea is not to replace people. It is to lessen the strain that we all feel when people leave and for us to turn our people into employees that are focused on the more difficult tasks, the more time-consuming tasks that robots cannot do right now. So instead of mindlessly mowing an open field, our team members should be focused on making sure the front office looks great or spraying weeds or doing pruning. And so we're not going to lessen the amount of hours that they work in a week. We're going to have them do different things. And that is the conversation. There's no replacement of Mm -hmm. of people. We're simply shifting focus. And we want our people to focus on the things that robots have not are not capable of. And so I think that's a very important conversation to be having with people so that they're not uneasy about technology because there's definitely two classes of people, those that are very happy to excite it and those that want no change in their life at all. And there's lots of people in between that as well, but we got to make sure that we're making everybody on that, that scale feel comfortable. That is a really good call out because I think, you know, I work for a software company. Anytime tech is introduced, it excites me. That's my mode of thinking, but also uh, to your point, it's truly important to be having that kind of conversation on the front end to let them know, hey, we're, we're actually doing this to let you focus on the work that maybe is a little bit more enjoyable. Some of the best examples of that I've seen in the industry is how some of the, the commercial autonomous mowers present that type of work. No one like actually truly likes sitting on the mower and striping a, a field. And if you could just go out, place the commercial mower robotic commercial motor let it ride and you edge that's a more detailed skilled work like and you are able to get more done in that time it's beneficial but you do you can't just assume that's the conclusion they're going to come to in their head yeah absolutely not and you know the idea is that we can do more with the same resources human resources that we Mm -hmm. have right now so if we could service you know 100 jobs in a week with our current staffing if we add robotics to that, we could potentially service 200 jobs in a week with the same amount of people. And ultimately, that'll lead to us being able to have better benefits for our employees because we're able to do more work with less overhead. That's a good point, too. Well, for this back third of the show, I've got kind of two questions I want to like kind of dive into. And I'll let you decide which order you want to tackle them in. But originally, the question I had in my mind for the audience is if you were talking to a leadership team of a landscaping company, you answering the question, why hire a CTO? And that is a question I still want you to answer. But I also feel like as we've talked, one thing that's kind of come up in my mind is that there are probably a good amount of people in green industry businesses today that could step into a CTO role. They probably have that passion for technology. They're in an operational role. They understand how the business and they might not even know, hey, this is something that I could do or grow into. So I want you to ask, like, answer the question as well. Why become a CTO? So it's two questions. Why hire one or why become one? Yeah. So 
I guess I'll tackle the why become one uh, first. And I agree. There are probably lots of people within companies right now that owners don't even realize that these people could step up because they're maybe they're tinkering with electronics on the weekend or they're doing some coding with a Raspberry Pi or trying to do automation in their house with IoT. There's a lot of people out there that are doing this in their, their spare time. And that's unfortunately one of the downsides to this industry is up until recently, there hasn't been any talk about this within the industry. So people like me, I was stuck in an operations role and I knew that I did not want to become a branch manager. That was not a path that I wanted to take in the landscaping industry. And I didn't want to leave the green industry. So it really left me looking for where where do I fit in and how mm-hmm. can I fit in and how can I take these two passions? So I think the the one thing that is benefiting the industry as a whole is conversations like this. More and more people are understanding that the industry needs these people, needs these positions. And hopefully that facilitates a conversation at companies that don't have this role yet. And hopefully people listening to this, if they're interested, will take the initiative to go and talk to their ownership and say, you know what? I love technology. I have a passion for it. And I think that I can help our company by doing XYZ with technology. And Mm -hmm. and hopefully that at least ignites a conversation. So why do you need a CTO? Is because everyone is extremely busy, right? This is not something that can take a back burner to everything else that's going on in the company. If somebody is not 100% dialed in, focused on technology in your company, then you're going to do what you've always done, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's easy. It's the easy way to do it. And so having somebody who is 100% focused on this is really going to push your thinking outside of that mindset of, well, this is how we've always done it. It's worked well for us to this point. We've made X amount of money doing it this way. So why change it? And that's something that I hear in the industry all the time. So I think it's very, very important that this person is not the CEO or owner of a company because it's a very different way of thinking. And those ways of thinking need to be on the same track. But in getting to that same location, it's important to have the conversations that come from this outside of the box thinking. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. And I guess the other like kind of follow-up question I have there is is there a right time or a wrong time to bring on a CTO? Like in, in your mind, it's like they're just a certain point where you go and you're not ready for that type of investment, or is it like it's it's never too early? Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are there. No, it's a great question. And I think it's something that we're still all trying to figure out. I think the right time to bring on a CTO is when you are pretty sure that you have your systems and processes kind of ironed out, but you're looking to gain efficiency from those Mm -hmm. systems and processes right now. It's also beneficial to have somebody who is tech-minded as you are creating your systems and processes. So even a brand new company that's still trying to figure out or a company that's trying to go from half a million to a million and a half, it still makes a lot of sense. And maybe at that point, you're reaching out and using some consultants that are tech-focused so mm-hmm. that you're getting that, that benefit without having 
to add the overhead of an additional person to, to your team. And, you know, I think it's important that you really think about the role going forward and, and line it out. Adding a CTO specifically for a project is a great way to get that person in the door. But you want to make sure that there's a plan after that project is over because mm-hmm. this role should expand into forward thinking. And if you don't have that kind of laid out or you don't hire the person who is able to really see that vision for themselves, then you're going to end up with someone who's not really contributing that much to your business. And that's the last thing that I want to see happen in the industry is everyone goes out and hires a CTO and half of them don't work out because there's not enough going on for them. And then people start saying, well, I don't really need that role or I've got a bad taste in my mouth from it. So it is a difficult question to answer as to when people are ready. And I don't think that there's a number. I think mm-hmm. it's a mindset. In your mind, are you ready to take the next steps? Are you ready to automate your business? Are you ready to remove friction and start making data-driven decisions? And in, in your mind, if you're ready for that, then start looking for the person. And that person can certainly have a composited role in the beginning where they are an operations manager, but one day a week, you're going to give them to just solely focus on technology or three days a month, whatever it is. You know, it's more of a mindset and a crossroads at the company rather than a revenue number. Yeah, I I really like that point too, because it really is a scenario where the owner or the president, the leadership team has to decide this is something we're not only like interested in or feel like we're ready for, but we're also going to be able to commit to it when those kind of bumps in the road happen or there isn't that like hard ROI of understanding how it works. It's just going to be like, hey, it's got to be a part. You mentioned y'all's strategic plan earlier in the episode. It's part of our plan. Like We want to look up in 10 years from now and say that we fully invested in this role. And that's when you look up in this type of role in my mind and go, oh yeah, five, 10 years from now, this was worth it. Like, Where would we be without it type deal? It's something you can look back on and go, okay, like that was worth it. But you got to be willing to commit to that as well. That's a great mindset because I I think everyone at Level Green would say just that. Where would we be today if, you know, four or five years ago, we did not create this role? What, how would our company look and how different would it be if we didn't have this role in our company? And I think everyone would say that we would be much further behind the times and the industry as a whole if we did not take the leap of faith to really get this, this role going in our company. Yeah. I have like two more questions for you and then we'll, we'll wrap up the episode. I like kind of asking these questions sometimes because it just gives, it allows you to kind of come full circle on a few things. And I guess if you could go back in time and talk to yourself the day you started your CTO role at Level Green, what's like a piece of advice or what's like, one thing that you would give yourself now that you've been doing it for a while and kind of have a better lay of the land, what's something that maybe you'd like to go back and go, I'm going to tell myself about that. Uh, So we were talking about traits earlier. I think if I could go back in time and tell myself something, it would be prepare for patience because this is, I like technology and deal with technology a lot better than I deal with people. But this Mm -hmm. role is it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of babysitting. It's a lot of teaching and training. 
And those are the aspects that I struggle with a little bit more than say, just diagnosing a, a system and process and say, yeah. this, this is where we can do this. So I've certainly, I feel like I've grown over the last couple of years with that, but I still struggle with it. So I think that's one thing that I would, would tell myself is, you know, listen, it's, you're, it's not always going to be easy. People don't always understand things the way that you understand them. And, and to me, if it's something as simple as, well, point and click here, you know, not everyone has that same ability to pick that up right away. Yeah, uh, no doubt. As we've been talking, I feel like that's been one of my takeaways is that's probably the most difficult part about this role. It's being very tactical and how to execute things, but then also how to step back and be able to realize how it's going to be adopted from a company. And that's it's when you think about the types of people that could step into a CTO role. I think the person is equally as important as the systems to be able to coach everyone up on it. Absolutely. Because there is no implementation that will go perfectly anywhere, anytime. It will not happen. And that's fine. I knew that going into all the implementations that we did. But I will say the complete adoption of things has taken longer than I've expected. And that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. I think another piece to this patience issue is certainly we've grown significantly since I started. And I still have this mindset that when we were much smaller, when we were only, you know, $12 million, it was a lot easier to institute changes. And and that's what I say to companies all the time is start now because it's a lot easier to turn a dinghy around than it is to turn an aircraft carrier all the way around. You can Mm -hmm. do it much faster. You're much more nimble and you have less people to actually convince that you should make this change. So that's just an, another piece of it is just really have patience. Nothing is ever going to be perfect. And it's going to take longer than is expected all the time. But as long as you set your team up well, you'll get there. For sure. Yeah. So last question for the episode I have for you, it's kind of forward thinking. What about your role right now at Level Green or what the business is doing as a whole it excites you right now? And what are you really looking forward to? Yeah. So uh, a lot of things really excite me right now. Robotics is a huge one. The autonomous mowing and what that's going to do for the industry Additionally to that is the sensors that are going to be put on to those robotics and the amount of data that we are going to start collecting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the landscaping industry right now, we, we collect data. We all kind of collect maybe the same types of data. But once these robots are kind of out roaming around and, and there are a lot of other sensors that I'm working with that are not necessarily tied to a robotic mower, but we're going to understand the world around us a lot clearer through data and and Mm -hmm. really sifting through big data to make decisions. And that's the next part that excites me is we're going to use artificial intelligence to see patterns and and recognize patterns that we don't see to help us make these decisions and and really make decisions on uh, the data that's being collected. So to me, that's exciting. We got robotics, we got machine learning, we've got artificial intelligence, and all in the mindset of trying to remove friction from all of our processes, whether that's selling, because right now, you know, 
even going through the sales process, you're, you're having human interactions. And there are certainly becoming more and more people that don't even want that. So what can we do to remove human beings completely from the sales process, but still keep the integrity of our sales process and really justifying which jobs we should take on and, and why? And then as well as there's a lot of cool things that we could do with augmented reality to try and help train our crew level people. So a lot of times when we talk about technology, we're talking at a, at a management level and higher. What, what can we do to make those people's lives easier? But there's a lot that technology can do for the field staff and for crew members. And as it relates to training and you know, using augmented reality to say, this is the direction that you need to go. This is the path that you need to go. So you know, we do a lot with job mapping and we're, we're working on automating our job mapping so that our operations managers don't actually have to do that. But how great would it be instead of giving somebody a piece of paper that says, hey, new, new person, this is the route that you're supposed to take on this job. We all have to wear safety glasses. So why not give them safety glasses that actually tell them where to go and what to look at? And so it's mm -hmm. things like that that are very, very exciting for me because they haven't been invented yet or they've been invented but haven't been instituted in our industry. So there is a, a ton of technology out there that other industries are using that we aren't, that we could benefit from. And then all the new technology that's being invented and created every day. I mean, it's, it's just a very exciting time to be passionate about technology and to be in the green industry. Yeah, no, it takes a simple walk around the lawn and landscape tech show to see that the future is very bright. Um, there's a lot of things that are coming to fruition that are just going to change for the better of what these companies are doing. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Michael, we've had a great conversation. I feel like we've really unpacked a lot of awesome stuff. For those that are listening, we're going to be linking to a few things um, like Michael's LinkedIn profile, ways to come into contact with him. If you have any questions, I know he's more than welcome to, to, to shoot you a message back. But Michael, can't thank you enough for coming on the show and look forward to staying connected. Absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. If you got some value out of this episode, drop us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platform. And don't forget to become a pro member of the podcast at singleops.com slash podcast. As a pro member, you'll get notified of each new episode, access to exclusive bonus content, and be entered in to win some great prizes. Thanks, and don't forget to tune in next week.